0: Listening to Politics Weekly to uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We cannot survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, this week, uh, we are here with uh, the Drunken Patriot Podcast. Thank you for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us,
0: man. Uh, so, before we get into the news, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your political affiliation and what you do on the Drunken Patriot Podcast.
1: Um, well, you start? yeah, I'll start it. Um, all right. So political affiliation, the both of us, uh, neither one of us are, we're not Republican. We're not Democrat. We're not conservative. We're both libertarian, but we do tend to lean more towards the right, uh, in that regard. And I mean, as far as the podcast goes, it primarily started out as a comedy podcast, but around, you know, the 2016 elections and everything. Cause our main rule was no politics. Yeah, we so, had a bar room, uh, like rules with everything that we did was no politics and no religion. And that we try to keep everything lighthearted and, you know, go with that. But after 2016, and uh, we both had some extreme, like, strong opinions about what was going on, we decided to uh, reformat, and the Drunken Patriot became what it is now.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, why don't we jump into the news then? So the first news uh, is surrounding the 2020 presidential uh, election. Uh, of course, this week, uh, New York City mayor... Bill de Blasio, uh, announced he'd be seeking the Democratic nomination for president. We also know that, uh, Steve Bullock, the, uh, governor, the Montana governor, um, uh, who's a Democrat, will also be seeking the Democratic nomination, uh, for the presidency. Uh, Bullock raised, uh, over a million dollars on his first day, um, and was endorsed by, by uh, Academy Award-winning actor Jeff Bridges uh, and uh, one of the Hollywood insiders who is the co-founder of DreamWorks uh, Pictures uh, who used to work at Walt Disney Pictures Animation. Jeffrey Katzenberg also donated money uh, to Bullock's campaign. What are your thoughts on Bullock and de Blasio throwing their hats into the ring?
1: Well, as far as Bullock, uh, since he is from Montana, we don't usually we we try to stay abreast of a lot of things. But obviously, you know, with the especially in the Democratic uh, nominees for a presidential candidate, there are so many people in there. So, other than the the big frontrunners that you know, we obviously have feelings against. You know, that's kind of what we kind of tend to um, like focus on more. Obviously, you know, I'd have to look into about what he has to say for everything. But as far as de Blasio and <laughs> being New Yorkers, we work in Manhattan. Uh, our companies are, you know, based, you know working out of uh, New York City and the five boroughs. Uh, no one that we come in contact with actually likes this guy. And that's both Republican and Democrat alike. Yeah, he is literally uh, trying, not trying, but what he is doing is he is bankrupting New York City. He's bringing homelessness back. We actually touched on this on our podcast last night. That he's bringing homelessness back to an all time high that New York City hasn't seen since the late 80s, early 90s. And it's just, and he's trying to push this new Green New Deal for New York where buildings are not allowed to be built with glass windows and steel, which you can't build a skyscraper, which Manhattan is known for its architecture in that sense. So I don't understand where the hell he thinks that we're going to be able to build these 100 plus story buildings without the use of steel because he's saying that the carbon imprint from steel and coal that it's just at the bottom line it's it's impossible to build a building out of steel like we both work in the construction trades and we were saying this on our show last night is that you know if you were to like what are you going to substitute it with you know, like, oh, let's do it out of concrete. But the thing is, is to lat that concrete together, to reinforce it, you have to have steel uh, beams and steel rebar inside of that. So no matter what, when you build a building, you can't build it steel-free. Can you lessen the, uh, you know, the footprint, where, you know, the amount of steel that you're using? Yes, you can. But at the same time, it's, it's impossible to build a building without steel. So I don't know where he, you know, where, where he gets off or where he thinks that that's even any kind of a viable solution to going green in New York City. That and also the fact of the matter is New York, New York state actually just ranked. I think it was third in the country of, of states people are leaving in like a mass like exodus out of. And that's because the taxes in New York are ungodly high for what you get back from it, especially in New York City. Yeah. And then you come to where we're from up in Westchester County, right outside of it. Property taxes are ridiculously high, and you have nothing to show for what you pay for your property taxes. All of our roads are just riddled with potholes. It looks like freaking the the demilitarized zone on some of these streets. It's it's so true. We live in some of the more prominent areas up here, and it's disgusting that people pay. I know people that pay up to $50,000 a year in taxes on property up here, and their roads are riddled with potholes. You know, the school systems are dropping tremendously in Westchester, especially in the city, and the five boroughs. They're seeing schools and test grades dropping so much. It's like, where's all this money going to that, you know, we are paying for? Obviously, it's not going into our roads. It's not going into our education system. And then the New York State lottery is supposed to be what was initially designed to subsidize our school systems and the funding for it. And I've seen that go up to, you know, half a billion dollars. And you know damn well they put more money into revenue from people buying lotto tickets. And our schools are falling apart. And, like, I have two kids in the Bronx City, uh, the Bronx School District. Their school just got hit with a lead restriction from drinking water out of the fucking... uh, Sorry for my language. But out of the the water fountains. So how long has that been going on that they just found out about that? So it's... I don't... de, De Blasio is up there with some of the worst candidates that could be up there hundred percent i mean and he's obviously not 100 percent to blame for a lot of new york city's problems a lot of these problems have been ongoing for many many years yeah it's just that since he's taken office as the mayor he's he's already taken a just a terrible situation and just making it worse he's not really doing much to make it any better you know and that's where one you know in one area where you know anthony and i we have we have a big gripe with him is because you know he he tries to paint out the fact that you know he's this end all be all this this godsend of a mayor, but what are you doing? You're only making the city worse. You're only driving it further and further into debt. You know, so with that you know with that like, that logic and that standpoint is, what makes anybody think that he's going to do any better with our country? Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, why don't we move on uh, to some of the Senate races? News surrounding the Senate races uh, in. 2020 so first of all uh alice madden the former minority leader of the colorado uh state house of representatives uh is saying she will run for senate of course democrats are hoping to pick up that seat which is currently being held by incumbent republican cory gardner they see a uh, huge chance uh, of opportunity to pick that seat up um we also know now that Wilmot Collins the mayor of Helena will be running uh for Senate uh in Montana. Of course, Steve Bullock is the incumbent. Democrats would like to pick up a seat there. Um and then um turning over uh to uh the Alabama Senate race. Uh right now Doug Jones is hoping to win a full term Uh, But it looks now like he has a primary challenger in uh, John Rogers, uh, a state representative, um, who made uh, controversial comments surrounding abortion uh, recently. He's 78 years old, um, but uh, he has decided he is going to primary Doug Jones for that seat in 2020. What are your thoughts on uh, all this news?
1: Uh, like we were saying before, a lot of the Senates that are outside of us, that we pay attention to a lot of our state. I know it's it's kind of hard to keep up with everything, but I definitely would see that, um, who is it that's running in Alabama? I have a feeling that, being, especially with everything, the climate going on there, I think even in Alabama that that's going to be overturned because I don't see uh, – Everyone in Alabama looking at that abortion law that was just passed to being something that can be, one, you know, realistically being actually upheld. It's bullshit throughout the throughout the whole entire thing. You know, they're saying they're not going after women, but they're going after the doctors to perform it. I think it's ridiculous to go that far to regulating something like that.
0: Well, we'll get to that story. Yeah.
1: Um, I know that's going to be something that's going to be touched on, but as far as that Senate seat, I have a feeling that if they're going to push the abortion thing and back the governor and what she uh, signed into law, I have a feeling that that seat will get thrown out and it will be lost.
0: All right. So why don't we move on to the Alabama abortion bill story? Uh, So, um, K.I.V., of course, uh, of course, in the um, recently... Alabama passed a bill in the state legislature uh in both houses uh to um ban nearly all abortions um with the exception of the woman's life being in danger. Uh the bill makes no exceptions uh for uh rape or incest. Uh the bill was signed into law uh by the uh the governor, K Ivey and has been making a lot of national uh news lately uh with many saying that it should be overturned uh the ACLU um has said that um the ACLU has said that they will fight to make sure it doesn't go into law um uh but recently um a Missouri followed suit with the legislature passing a similar law which was signed into law by uh uh by governor Mike Parson uh and right now uh a similar bill is pending in the Louisiana State House of Representatives the Democratic governor of Louisiana John Bell Edwards is indicating that he would sign a bill into law even though he disag- even though he has said he disagrees uh with not in- including the exceptions on rape and mur- uh, and incest uh what are your thoughts on the bill in Alabama and Missouri which uh may be spreading to other states?
1: Want to take this one? Yeah, I want to take <clears throat> All right, so here's my thing on the uh the whole Alabama law is that I don't 100% agree with abortion. Um I do agree that it should be allowed in the case of, you know, rape, incest, or if having the child is going to endanger the life of the mother and or the child being born. Um You know, the thing that makes me sick about this law, and like I said, I tend to lean, you know, very much to the right. But the thing about this is, you know, they're essentially saying, well, you know what? If a 12 year old girl is raped, she has to carry full to term. I don't think that that should be, I I don't think that that's okay. And the point of the matter is, is when you ban it across the board like this, when you have women that are, you know, become pregnant due to rape or incest or something like that, is. You know, because now they don't have that that uh, that resource to be able to go to and say, OK, I need to take care of this thing. They don't have it. So now they're going to seek other channels. They're going to go through it by illegal means. They're going to go by, through it by, you know, by, I guess, less than sanitary or like just they're going to be doing it in back alleys and, you know, just based into people's houses, getting you know, getting these abortions done. And it's not safe, you know, and that's a big problem. And I think to a degree that this whole law was passed by the governor and in a way, a knee-jerk reaction, as to kind of, basically to kind of counter everything that's going on in the current geopolitical climate with, the, you know, the right versus the left. And, I, like, the abortion thing is always a hot-button topic. It's always a hot-button issue. And like I said, I think this is a knee-jerk reaction to basically, for lack of a better way to put it, stick it to the people on the left and say, hey, we're passing this law because you want to pass Yeah, I think that uh, her uh, take on this was basically in response to Virginia and New York passing the late term abortion, allowing third trimester abortions, where literally up to the birth. And then I think in some circumstances, even right at labor, that they can commit a an abortion on a baby literally about to breach out of the womb. And I think that's kind of like where she was going with that, was like, well, if they're going to do something extreme like that, then you know what? We're going to take it off the board completely 100%. And like Joe says, I feel the same way in the sense of that. I don't agree that abortion should be illegal in all forms. There are certain circumstances that do dictate when you need it to happen. And I think there should be some more regulation. I don't think minors should be be allowed to walk into a clinic And have an abortion without parents' knowledge because my daughters, if they went to a hospital, they would need parental or guardianship to make medical decisions on them. How is it legal that they can walk into a clinic and then now they are now allowed to make their own medical decisions? And God forbid something went wrong, now my daughters are, their lives are at jeopardy. And if my daughter happened to die during a procedure, I would be beyond livid. I would be looking for everyone's head to go after on that. And I think that there needs to be an accountability for these kind of things that you can't just say like, yeah, everything can be this way and nothing could be this way. There, there is a middle ground and people have to understand that if you are super religious and you believe that someone's going to go to hell for their choices, but you know what, that's their decision and they have to meet their maker or, you know, your maker, whatever you believe that if they go there, they have to, they have to face you know the music at the end of the day, but at the same time asking someone who is you know been raped to carry the full term that is psychologically abusive to that person and that child to grow up if they become aware of the fact that they became a product of rape or incest
0: all right uh, why don 't we move on then so uh, more updates on the uh tariff wars. Uh, Trump announced that he would raise tariffs on uh, – more tariffs on China. China announced that they'd raise tariffs to $60 billion. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the whole tariff war going on?
1: It's a pissing match. It really, it really <laughs> is. Like, we're going to call, you know, call it for what it is. It's a pissing match between two people. China's been getting over on the United States for fucking years on getting – Money from us and at low to no uh, tax on things coming in, and I think it, you know Trump's trying to build something more within this country, and it's gonna it's gonna backfire a little bit, but eventually it's gonna level off. People are gonna realize that they can't keep raising this because it's gonna hurt us, it's gonna hurt them, and I think it's just gonna be something that's just gonna be in the moment. They're just trying to see who's gonna budge, and I think that's really what it is. It's just a pissing match.
0: Okay. Uh why don't we move on then? Um so uh this week the first uh Republican member of Congress announced uh they will be calling for Trump to be impeached. Uh Justin Amash, the congressman from Michigan, um has uh said that he believes that uh Trump uh he he said that he read the full uh report uh and he says that he believes that Trump uh he believes that Trump engaged in um impeachable uh offenses um one of the tweets uh he says let me see if I can pull it up um uh do um here's what he says he says Here, he says in a tweet, here are my principal conclusions. One, Attorney General Barr has deliberately misrepresented Mueller's report. Two, President Trump has engaged in impeachable conduct. Three, partisanship has eroded our system of checks and balances. Four, uh, few members of Congress have read the report. Uh, Amash is now saying he thinks Trump should be impeached. Uh, he doubled down on it today, saying people uh, who say there was no underlying crimes and therefore the president could not have uh, intended to illegally obstruct the investigation and therefore cannot be impeached are resting their argument on several falsehoods. Um, uh, right now, Mitt Romney, the Utah senator who is also the former Massachusetts governor and 2012 uh, Republican nominee. For president is saying he disagrees with Amash, but uh, calls him uh, courageous. Donald Trump uh, is firing back uh, at Justin uh, Amash's uh, claim. Um, he's uh, saying, um, "Let's see if I can pull it up." Um, but he um, to do. He responded by calling. Amash a lightweight um, and whatnot, but um, what are your thoughts on uh, Justin Amash calling for Trump to be impeached?
1: Well, I do agree with the third part in his tweet that partisanship is screwing over checks and balances. A lot of people are forgetting what they got elected for to look at laws, to create laws that are constitutionally legal.
2: And A lot of people in Congress are forgetting their their servants to the people and they are
1: supposed to uphold the Constitution. So I totally agree with that statement. As far as him literally just saying that he committed things, then, all right, if you read the report, the report is technically now public knowledge. Tell us what? Because if that is, then, yeah, all right, if there are things that are going on that are impeachable, then all right, fine. Bring up proceedings and do it the right way. But do it if without a shadow of a doubt. And a lot of people get this clout that impeachment means that Trump's gone. Impeachment just means that, all right, you, you did something wrong. Legal proceedings yeah. is basically all they are. It does not mean removal. And I, I hate that people keep thinking that, like, oh, Trump's gone. Trump's gone. No. Bill Clinton was impeached. And he finished out his term. He, all it was, he lied to Congress about what he had done, and he stayed and finished his presidency. That's like impeachment; just means you're being held accountable, and that's why we have this system involved with our checks and balances. And exactly why partisanship is screwing that all up. People are looking, oh yeah, it's for the party, it's for this party. It's not party; it's the country. You never win for the party; you win for the country, and. If there are things, then yes, I am an American, and I believe in my constitution, and if my president is doing something illegal, I want him to be held accountable at no matter who it is. If I support them 100%, if I am unsupportive 100%, I want accountability to always be the utmost thing that someone should be held to at that office. There shouldn't be any, just because I am president, that I do not have to be accountable for that. So... If Amash is right and he is calling out the president on his shit, then yeah, go ahead. Let's get it going because we need to set an example that checks and balances are there for a reason and that no one is above the constitution.
0: All right. Uh, Why don't we move on then? So let's move across the pond uh, to England. So Boris Johnson, the former mayor of London, uh, and uh, who was in the cabinet of Theresa May, who's the former foreign secretary uh, in England, is saying he will run for British prime minister uh, after Theresa May uh, finishes her Brexit deal. Of course, Theresa May uh, said after... Um, she did say that after the, uh, the Brexit negotiations, she would resign... Uh, which would trigger another election for prime minister. Uh, Right now, uh, Boris Johnson uh, is saying he is planning to throw his hat in the ring when that uh, happens to occur. What are your thoughts on Boris Johnson uh, announcing his candidacy for British prime minister?
1: More power to him? (laughs) I don't really divulge myself into British politics. Um... They are an ally of ours, but they've become so far from what they used to stand for that it's just—it's kind of a joke to even try to, you know, think about what what they're doing over there. I mean, the Brexit idea—I think was great for them breaking away, but you know, it's just—I give very little thought to what's going on. The the way that I see it is this: in regards to foreign politics, do foreign politics have? An effect on what goes on here in america yes do you know the politics that happen here in america have an effect on what goes on in other countries yes but it's not to the point where and i often find this because you know i'll i'll go on twitter sometimes and i'll get involved in a thread and i'll actually get into arguments with people from other countries about you know different things that trump is doing And it's like you live in i don't know say for example you live in spain you know the fact that donald trump may or may not have slept with a porn star has no effect on you whatsoever. And I look at it the same way it in the reverse. has no rever- effect on anybody. Right. It was before he was a president. But I, I look at it in the reverse in that, you know, a lot of a lot of things that go on, like the whole Brexit thing, you know, I agree with Anthony on that. I think it was a great thing um, just because, I mean, they were essentially getting screwed left and right by the European Union. And they essentially, I mean, granted, yes, the United Kingdom is a very small portion of of europe but they essentially are one of the superpowers over there and you know so like i said what what happens there does have a small effect on us but at the same time it's not one of those things that i personally care enough to pay too much attention to it unless it's going to have any kind of a direct effect on the u.s economy on u.s politics and things of that nature all right. So I did look him up really quick. He does believe in smaller government. He is a conservative uh, by the UK standard. So I just looked that up real quick. And I agree. I don't agree with big government. I don't think the government should be sticking their head into everyone's day to day lifestyle. Yep. Live your life. Live your life the way you want to do it. As long as you're not affecting the person next to you and making problems for them and you're doing everything by the law, who cares what you do? That's like the libertarian credo right there. It really is. <laughs> Small government and stay out of my life. Exactly. So I agree that, you know, it might be a good change for them. And who knows? It could go one of two ways. It could be the greatest thing Britain's ever seen, or it could turn the country into shit.
0: Okay. Uh, so uh, why don't we move on then? So... Um, could Biden and Kamala Harris uh, uh, be a ticket in 2020? Uh, many people are suggesting that the former vice president and the current California senator, both of which are considered top contenders for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020, could share a ticket together uh, in uh, the field uh, in 2020. Um, Senator Kamala Harris, however, uh, was not too keen, uh, about the, uh, about the idea. Um, uh, she said in a, uh, she said in an interview, uh, uh, let's see if she says, quote, I think that Joe Biden would be a, a great running mate as vice president. Uh, He's proven that he knows how to do the job. And there are certainly a lot of other candidates who would make for me a very viable and interesting vice president. Uh, What are your thoughts uh, on the idea of a Kamala Harris-Joe Biden Democratic ticket in 2020? Uh, And what are your thoughts on uh, Kamala Harris's response to potentially being a running mate to Joe Biden? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, here's the thing is that Joe Biden definitely 100% across the board, I think everyone can agree, is the front runner for the Democratic Party, Um, which, you know, kudos to him. Good for him. You know, he I mean, I'm not going to say he has the most experience, but he's been he's been there. He's been there. You know, the man's been in the White House, essentially. Um, So, you know, give the man credit. Listen, you want to run for president? Great. Best of luck to you. Do I personally think he has a snowball's chance in hell? No, he doesn't. Um, and the reason for that is because he 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 does have a lot of underlying scandals that I know for a fact will come to light once the uh you know presidential campaigns begin. You know the fact that he was a part of the whole Fast and Furious thing under Obama. Um, there's that whole uh, what was that the scandal with his son in the Ukraine? Yeah, his son's company uh, moved over to Ukraine to you know I don't know what it was all about, but apparently the Ukrainian government. Uh, Got on him and said, like, what you're doing, you can't do it here. And Biden stepped in and basically said, either you allow it to happen or we're going to pull out and you're going to have to deal with Russia all on your own. And that is a complete overreach of, you know, vice presidential or even presidential power. That's completely going against everything that we are about. We keep our allies tight because they're the people that we need overseas and to do something like that, to call out something like that, that is an egregious overreach of power. And that's going to come to come to light if Biden does make this run, because it's already come out a little bit. And that's going to be a nail in the coffin against him, because people can going to look at that and same people that aren't just going to be anti-Trump, people that actually really care about politics are going to be like, well, if he does that, well, he's a sitting vice president, what's to say he's not going to overreach his power as president in this country? What's to say that he's not going to try to pull something like that? And I think it's it's a very, very bad thing for him to even try to even do something like that and even think that it wasn't even a justifiable thing is just beyond me. And let's also go with the fact that he has all these, like, very creepy photos of him out there smelling on people (laughs) and he does not think it's wrong. That's the thing that really blows my mind and I don't understand how everyone that's been a part of the hashtag Me Too movement doesn't look at what he says and he says he doesn't feel like there's anything wrong with that. You're invading someone's space and a lot of these people are, you know, underage and that to me, like, that just turns my stomach to even think that he can justify and think it's not a bad thing so i don't know i, I have a feeling that's also going to hurt him big time because there's gonna be a lot of people even in his own party that are gonna use that against him because they're gonna stand up with the me too movement so they're gonna gain ground there and i know trump for one is definitely gonna call him out on because he's already called him creepy uncle joe no offense yeah, but you know so i just see that that is gonna really hurt him do I see them, too, as a contender, as a, you know, presidential or vice president? Yeah, I think that could be something that could be a viable thing. But I think Kamala Harris has her own views of what she wants to do. And I think she wants to do it on her own, you know, her own past and not be part of the Biden-Obama administration.
0: All right. Uh, let's move on then. So could we potentially be going to war with Iran soon? Uh, Trump uh is indicating uh we may uh Trump uh said on uh Twitter um uh right after a uh, it was reported that a rocket landed less than a mile from the US uh embassy uh in uh Baghdad's, um green zone Donald Trump put out a tweet that said uh, if a quote if Iran wants to fight That will be the official end of Iran. Never threaten the United States again, uh, he said in a tweet. Um, uh, What are your thoughts on uh, Trump threatening war with Iran?
1: Um, Well, first off, I think to one degree he's definitely flexing muscle. Um, I'm not going to say it's nothing more than that because I do actually believe that Trump has it in him to say that if Iran does attack us, like, you know, legitimately attacks us, that he will take the fight to them. Um, you know, the thing is though, is that the, I forgot where I was going with this. I'm sorry. Um, to kind of backtrack a little bit, is that I do a degree, yes, I think he's flexing muscle, but at the same time, I don't think he's playing around. And one thing that we can, uh, I think we can say about Trump and actually Trevor Noah just recently said this is that so far the man is keeping to every promise, you know, that he's, that he's made. Yeah. I was surprised to see him actually saying um, that he's been such a critic of him. Exactly. And I think this is something that, you know, especially when it comes to the United States, when it comes to our national security, because so far, he doesn't seem like he's playing around when it comes to our security, our borders, our sovereignty, um, you know, and, you know, all that overall. So I think if Iran legitimately attacks us for any reason, I could definitely see Trump taking the fight to them. Do I want to go to war? No. As a war veteran myself, um, I don't want to see my brothers and sisters in arms going back to fight you know, another war. Whether it be our war or somebody else's war, I don't want to see that happen by any means. But I do fully believe that Trump will, you know... Yeah. Trump has also uh, made it clear that he does not want to do war. He does not want to put us through another, you know, 12-plus you know, years of fighting in a combat area that we, we have We've been in at war for 18 years now. Yeah. So he doesn't want to. And I think that what he is basically saying is he's not going to get into threats and all that. He's going to do exactly what he did the last time. He's just going to carpet bomb the area and he's going to just deal with it that way. He's going to basically send them back to quote the Stone Age. You know, that's kind of, you know, an insensitive thing. But, you know, he's going to, he's not going to put boots on the ground in that area anymore. He's already pulled out so many people from the Middle East and I don't think he wants to rescind on that. He's been so hard on bringing troops back home and not having them fight an unjust war at this point. Because now, we're not doing anything with that that whole area. So I have a feeling that if it does come down to some kind of conflict, it's gonna be airborne. It's gonna be something that we send in an AC-130 or KC-130 gunship and just level areas. We're gonna send in fighter you know, planes and just decimate the entire area. I don't think it's gonna be a boots on the ground war again. Well, I could, I could see this, and I will say this in regards to Iran, is that if you remember back during, I believe it was the 70s, um, they were very much uh, westernized. Yeah, they were. You know, the, the people were very, you know, westernized. And then, I believe it was, I could be wrong on this, I want to say it was like the late 70s, early 80s, the, um, you know, essentially they became, their, their government became very religious-based, and that's when they started making it law, you know, basically the Quran and Sharia law was the law of the land. And you know with that i could see if basically or this would be at least what i would do is that within that country if say for example we were to target iran after they you know attacked us i would target essentially their entire their entire government if once you take out you know their prime minister or their king whatever they have over there and then you take out their you know their, their governing body i could very well see their their country going you know, pretty much going back to what it was because a lot of the people from just different things that I read, you know, uh, different articles that I read in the paper and online and things like that, and different videos that I watch, is that the people overall they're getting sick and tired of the whole, you know, the Sharia thing and not being able to essentially live their lives freely the way that they want. And it just it drives me up a wall that Iran would sit there and you know, because even before this missile attack, they, they they've made threats to us numerous times, pretty much over nothing, and. It just it, I, I think it's ridiculous they like I said, they're 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 trying to flex against us and we're flexing against them. But bottom line, I don't think they stand a chance, you know, because I, I, I've been in Iraq. I mean, not that Iraq was anything in comparison, like they pale in comparison to what Iran has militarily. Um, but you look at the, you know, the Gulf War and then you even look at, you know, the second time around that we were there, we Especially the Gulf War, when they were actually like a legitimate standing government. We mowed through that country in a month, you know, and I could very easily see us doing the same thing to Iran.
0: All right. Uh, Let's move on. So, uh, Trump could be uh, preparing to potentially pardon uh, soldiers uh, accused of war crimes. Uh, Trump is indicating that he may be. uh he may be pardoning around the memorial day weekend he may be pardoning multiple uh veterans uh that are currently facing charges for potential uh war crimes uh one of them uh happens to be uh special operatives chief ed gallagher uh of the navy seals Who was uh, charged? uh, Who was facing charges with shooting unarmed citizens uh, and killing an enemy captive with a knife uh, during his time while he was deployed to Iraq? Um, What are your thoughts on Trump potentially pardoning these people?
1: Well, I'm going to start off by saying this: is that I I actually just started to read up on this today, so I'm not too educated on the subject, but. the thing is that makes me mad that i'm seeing is that there's a lot of backlash against trump for doing this like oh you know he's par- he's pardoning these people who committed war crimes and so on and so forth and it's mostly people on the left that are you know giving him the backlash for it. but they those same people didn't say anything about obama when he pardoned uh bradley or chelsea manning or bo bergdahl for the crimes that they committed you know you had bradley manning at the time essentially leaked you know classified documents and secrets and you know uh, things like that, and Obama pardoned him, or her, however, you know, depending him on... Him at the time. Him at the time. Um, and Bo Bergdahl, the, the the guy went AWOL from his post... Yeah, deserted his post in the middle of the night. Yeah. And led to a squad of people going out looking for him. Right. He's which like, people ended up losing their life looking for someone who deserted their post. In a, you know, in the middle of, of a foreign country, and when you... When you do that, I mean, obviously they don't do it anymore. But way back when, the punishment for desertion was death. And the bottom line is, is that he he deserted his post, and it took several multitudes of patrols to go out and try and find him. And a lot of people got wounded and or killed, you know. But Obama pardoned him, and you know there was no backlash about it from the people on the left. So in regards to um, the chief of Navy SEAL, um to a degree i mean i'm going to speak based on personal experience um, sometimes depending on the situation sometimes you you have to make split second decisions and what you think may be a gun sometimes may be a toy or you know something like you you, you don't know it may be you know a sandwich or like whatever is in their hand that you, you may not be able to identify readily but when you are in the heat of the moment and you are in a situation where it's kill or be killed, and you see somebody pop around a corner in a hurry, and you know they're holding something in their hand, sometimes you don't—you ha- literally have to make split-second decisions. Yeah, and, and some- oh, sorry, sorry. And, and sometimes you, you know, it, it's terrible. I mean, this part I am not speaking on personal experience, but sometimes you end up hurting somebody who essentially is innocent. Yeah. So, do I think it's necessarily a war crime? No. I think that it should be reinvestigated for starters, um, at the very least. I mean, you know, Trump's pardoning him, but... Well, th- I, that's the whole thing that's God. going on right now, is that it's he's literally on trial right now. So they haven't really def- had a definitive case 100%. Evidence is still coming together. But like Joe did say, that you're in a war-torn area where people use themselves as weapons. They literally will strap bombs to themselves them too. and there's also these people that will literally take a child or a woman strap a bomb to them and then push them out into the middle of a crowd and then cowardly detonate them remotely via a cell phone call and take out as many insurgents as they can so right, if you're going to, or yeah soldier insurgents to them you know, least, oh, you know no. they're they're looking so you're taking into consideration that everyone over there is an enemy it's a terrible thing and if you ever read chris kyle's book and like one of his first kills like was over there was a child and a woman because they were basically brainwashed into trying to take out american soldiers that is not an easy thing for anyone to do and then they have to do it over and over and over again it does weigh on your psyche and the fact that maybe he had a, a complete psychological breakout there, we don't know because the evidence hasn't been made. Now if Trump doesn't you know pardon him and it goes to trial and then it comes out that you know he was acting in 100% by the Geneva Convention, then there's nothing to go and call him a war criminal. That's anyone that is in a combat can technically be a war criminal at any moment. The minute someone throws up their hands and you accidentally you're like you're in the moment and you think they're reaching for something, you pull your trigger, you send a round down range, and then next thing you know, the targets hit, but they were unarmed. If people are in a situation like that, it's hard to make judgmental calls that are always a hundred percent, you know, correct. You're always gonna have margin of error. And to say that maybe that's what happened with him we don't know because it's not been made readily available to the American people all we know is that he's allegedly being brought up on charges for killing unarmed people if that does come to it I don't think he should be pardoned if he legitimately went out there and as a, a goof and just to have fun and decided to pop off civilians hell no, keep that guy in the stockades if anything, execute him, I'm sorry I'm going to go that far because that yeah, is I agree absolutely
0: disgusting All right. Why don't we move on then? So former uh, President Jimmy Carter uh, fell and broke his back uh, in his home in Plains, Georgia, on Monday. Um, Carter is saying that he is uh, recovering, uh, but he was unable to attend Sunday services uh, this Sunday. Uh President Trump wished him recovery on Twitter saying, quote, wishing former President Jimmy Carter a speedy recovery from his hip surgery earlier today. He was in such good spirits when we spoke last night. He will be fine. What are your thoughts on Jimmy Carter uh on his injury? Well, I'm not gonna lie to
1: you, um and I kind of feel like an idiot for saying this, I thought he died already <laughs> No, I uh, I mean I hate to laugh about it, but <laughs> the man is uh, he is a true humanitarian. He served his country as president and then after that he got heavily involved in Habitat for Humanity and he is out there still every day he can still doing that and I give that guy a lot of credit. I give him like he, he the guy that doesn't deserve, doesn't have to do that and he goes out there and does it. And I I tip my hat to a man like that. That Thanks. takes come, like an amazing amount of strength to be as old as he is and still go out there and swing a hammer and uh, build houses and everything that he does. So I I, I hope he gets better, and then I I hope he gets, uh, you know, well fast and gets back to what he loves.
0: All right. Uh, So uh, we reported a little while back that there was a comic uh, around uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez made from a third-party comic company. It was called Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, in uh, the Freedom Force New Party. Who diss? Uh, it was from uh, a third-party comic book company called Devils Due, but now uh, DC Comics, uh, the character, the owners of characters like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, uh, have now uh, sent them a cease and desist. Um, And uh, they are saying that the image on the cover featuring AOC as uh, what was supposed to be allegedly a parody of Wonder Woman looks too similar to Wonder Woman and they must now change uh, the design. Uh, It looks like you guys are pretty excited to talk about this. Uh, So what are your thoughts? She is the furthest
1: thing from Wonder Woman. She is the biggest joke to hit the public. Well, I will spectrum. say this: she she is a cartoon character. Oh, she definitely is a character for sure. <laughs> she uh, she she definitely hits co- close to home for us because uh, right about where we live at, that's her district. Uh, we don't live in her district. We're, we're like we're we're, we're right, right on there. the outskirts of it. We're right there. Um, but I, every time she opens her mouth, it's like. It's like nails on a chalkboard, and not just her voice. It's just the, the the uninformed and just illogical thoughts that come out of her mouth. And she's an economics major, and she pushes the whole socialist thing so hard. If you pay attention at one class in economics, one one, socialism will always fail. And it's ne- and oh, but of course, in the they, everything that comes back to it, it's never been implemented right. No, it's always been implemented right. It's just always been abused, and then it's it's because it's an easy system to abuse exactly is what it is that's that, that's why so it's it's always been done right every time, like you said it's just very easy to abuse and the problem is is that when her i remember when her green new deal came out and she first uh she first put it out there on uh on her website um people started tearing that thing to pieces as far as the things that were contained within it. And she, like her or her staff or what have you, they ended up taking it off the website and said, oh, that's not the real thing. It was put up there by mistake. Um, which to me is just comical. Uh, you know, and then another thing, this has been a big thing too, that's been out recently is, um, I want to say within the last several months, uh, she was doing an interview. I forget who she was doing it with, but she said essentially that we have 12 years left before the world ends. Um, So there's been a lot of backlash and a lot of criticism based on that. And she came out and said, oh, I didn't mean like, you know, a definitive 12 years. I just threw a number out there. But at the time when she said, I just threw a number out there, if you went to her Twitter page, she had she might even still have it there. A pinned tweet at the top that basically says we have 12 years left before the world ends. And it's just she she's constantly contradicting herself. Which, it, it's just, it's absolutely... Oh, matter of fact, we just checked it. It actually is still pinned to the top of her Twitter page. It said, oh, we have 12 years left to cut emissions in half. Um, but yeah, it's just... It, it, at first, for me, it actually angered me to see how much she contradicted herself. But now it's at a point, it's almost comical. For me, it's, it's entertainment at this point. Yeah, it, everything that like comes out of her mouth, it's just like... do I will say this. Do I think her heart is in the right place? Yes. Of course. And that's the thing with people that associate with the quote socialist movement is we well, far say progressive yeah we'll go progressive whatever you want progressive is the same thing socialist it's yeah your heart is always in the right place but it does not work you're going to overtax people to a point where they're impoverished you can't tax people into prosperity the only way you make people more prosperous is by allowing people to keep more of their money to spend their money into the society so the fact that she's calling for what sixty percent for people that make under at ten million and over seventy for ten million over, it's like nice. it's how do you look at yourself in the mirror and say okay you have to pay all this but now I'm making this amount of money but now my money's tax free because I'm you know a government employee for the rest of my life and I collect this so why isn't she giving her money away? left and right. She's not. She's stockpiling and she's going to love that paycheck. Who wouldn't love that paycheck for the rest of their life? Right. And to kind of backtrack to more specifically answer your question about her being depicted as Wonder Woman or something similar, um, do I think that she should be held on that kind of a pedestal or even depicted as such? No, because to be honest, she really hasn't done anything that warrants her to be held to that, you know, high of a regard. Because if you look at, first of all, she called New York City Well, how many thousands of jobs? by 25,000, uh, 25,000 25, uh, jobs, um, you know, with so many, you know, very high paying jobs in many cases. And the other thing of it, though, too, is that she is hardly ever in her district. Her local offices are basically constantly shut down. And people in her district that are going to her with complaints or concerns, things of that nature, they can never get a hold of her. They're going as far as going to her office and having to leave post-it notes on the door, and they're getting no response out of it. So do I think that she should be held in the regard that somebody like a hero, like Wonder Woman, should be? No, by no means whatsoever. No. Um, you know, so I, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that there are people out there that basically think that she's some kind of a godsend, and it's just it, its crazy to me. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I agree.
0: All right. Well, those seem to be just about all the stories, but before we uh sign off a couple things. First of all, two announcements to make. Next week uh, our guest is going to be uh the mayor of Miramar, Florida and the 2020 Democratic candidate for president uh uh Wayne Messum. He's going to be on. Um and then also second of all, uh the Uh, 50th episode is going to be coming out July 2nd of Politics Weekly. That's going to be a roundtable episode. Uh, uh, Drunken uh, Patriots podcast. Thank you for joining me. Before you guys, uh, sign off, why don't you tell everybody where you can be found?
1: Uh, sure. We, um, take it over, Joe. I got this. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us at Drunken underscore Patriot. I, uh, tend, I have a tendency to, I, I like to troll people a little bit on there. Um, you can find us on Instagram at drunkenpatriot, all one word, and then uh, Drunken Patriot Podcast on Facebook. And our podcast, you can find it on any major platform, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbeam. Spotify. Spotify, anything that you can find a podcast. Just literally type our name, Drunken Patriot Podcast, and it'll take you to every way you can find us.
0: All right, thank you everyone, or thank you guys. No,
1: thank you very much for for having us. Yeah, yeah, we had a good time. Thanks.
0: Thanks. Bye. Our political system is completely broken
3: and dysfunctional. There are giant pipes clogged with money, billions of dollars, and there's nothing most anyone can do about it.
2: He's gone from a virtual unknown to a key player in the Democratic primary. Who is Andrew Yang, the young entrepreneur who is shaking up the political conversation?
0: The Candidates Donald Trump has got to be defeated and I intend to do everything that I can with every other progressive in America making sure that that happens. Their stories
2: We got a real
3: opportunity to build something.
0: And their fight for the White House.
2: Keep America great! Exclamation point. Keep America great.
0: This is Presidential Profile 2020.
2: At
3: that
0: inflection moment where were you this is that moment it's our job
3: to remind the american people that we're looking out for them
0: So all of you showing the country how you do this the special interests and the powerful have such an outsized
3: influence and outcome to restore our democracy
2: Andrew Yang was born on the 13th of January, 1975 in Schenectady, New York. The son of immigrants from Taiwan, Yang's parents worked at the GE factory in Upstate, NY. Both of his parents got together at the University of California, Berkeley. His father perused physics, which his mother became an artist. Yang has stated very few Asians attended his public school. Yang claims this led to bullying and harassment on the basis of his race. Yang says this led to him being more accepting of the underdog. Yang would later be accepted into the elite boarding school Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire. He would later attend Brown University and later Columbia Law School.
3: Who said we never knew that capitalism was going to get eaten by its son? Technology.
2: After graduating, Yang worked for Davis-Polk and Wardwell, a law firm in New York City before launching StarJiving.com in 2000. The site garnered interest from some investors, though it eventually collapsed in 2001. Yang later became vice president to MNF Systems King a healthcare software company. He worked there before teaming up with longtime friends Eek Vanderhoek to start Manhattan Prep, a company designed to help students study for exams. In 2006, Yang became CEO at the request of Vanderhoek. The company grew to 69 locations before being acquired by Kaplan Inc. in 2009 young remained leader until 2012 shortly after young founded venture for america
0: are you ready to build something are you ready to make a real impact at a startup are you ready to join a supportive community of entrepreneurs who are changing american cities do you thrive under pressure and have a history of just getting things done good meet venture for america
2: The company designed to assist aspiring entrepreneurs in the real world. The group expanded to multiple major cities throughout the nation. In 2011, it was reported the company had earned Yang over $6 million. A documentary called Generation Startup was released about the group's success. Yang resigned as CEO in 2017. I'm
3: running for president because America is going through the greatest technological and economic transition in human history.
2: In 2017, Andrew Yang announced his candidacy for president in 2020. Yang registered to run as a Democrat. Yang's campaign went largely unnoticed by the public, with most major pollsters not including him in national polling. However, in 2019, Young gained national attention for his support for universal basic income. Universal basic income is a policy
3: where every citizen in a country gets a certain amount of money free and clear to do whatever they want. So my plan, the Freedom Dividend, would give every American adult thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars a year starting at age 18. This would create millions of jobs around the country and would allow families and individuals to help
2: manage uh, this historic transition that we're in. The idea would give every law-abiding citizen in America over the 18 $1,000 a month. Yang started appearing on CNN town halls as well. Yang is a self-proclaimed progressive, and supports military non-interventionism, as well as Medicare for all. Despite this, he has gained some support from former Trump supporters, and was controversially endorsed by white supremacist Richard Spencer, to which Yang condemned. Yang has since qualified for the debates and according to Emerson College, is polling at 3% nationally. Now, he hopes to be America's first Asian American president.
3: uh, It doesn't seem like the Democrats have been with the working class people like like him and that's his perception. Um, But I got the same uh, perception from union workers here in New Hampshire.
2: For more deeper looks into the candidates, keep it right here on Politics Weekly for more presidential profiles 2020.